Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. Welcome again to another edition of Lost and Rewound, only here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Streaming 24-7 on the RFB app for iOS and Android. Download it if you've got some room on your mobile device. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. My name is Alon Danziger and I will be your solitary host for this hour. Lost and Rewound is a weekly talk program providing you with insight into our own personal audio from the past, and we bring it to you here on RFB from 3 to 4 p.m. every Thursday. If you want to be a guest on the show, have an idea for something we could cover or someone we could reach out to or just want to say hello, email me at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Over the years, I've attempted to take my show on the road. You may recall in our first season here on RFB, we listened back to conversations I had while visiting Portland, Oregon and Vancouver, British Columbia. This hour, I thought it would be cool if I shared some sounds I captured on my recent trip to New Orleans, Louisiana. I'd been to New Orleans a handful of times before this trip and even managed to get an interview back in 2015 with a previous guest, Tyler Gillespie, as we ate po'boys off Elysian Fields in Mid-City. This time around, I recorded quite a bit more. In this hour, you'll hear a conversation with my sister, Sarah Danziger. You'll also hear a snippet of my reunion with a dear friend of the show and former contributor, Allison Goodman. Since this was a football weekend with the Saints playing the Rams in the NFC Championship game, I even paid a visit to a French Quarter bar during the second half of the game to check in with the local excitement and captured a lot of it in the process, too. Finally, I even got to capture some of the main event, my sister's show she produced, featuring music by local musicians and improv by her performer friends, all set to a backdrop that included Sarah's simply gorgeous photos. It was an eclectic weekend, and it's all coming up right now. We were concerned about the weather when we got in early on Friday, thinking it might rain. It was rather unseasonably warm. It luckily didn't rain, and it turned into an absolutely gorgeous night at the Roosevelt Hotel, right across from the French Quarter off Canal Street. There was tequila, there was grapefruit juice, and a hot tub for me and Sarah and her roommate Sam Springston to relax in. Never mind the fact that no glass was allowed by the pool, or that neither of them were staying at this hotel with my wife and I. While our party wasn't admiring drunken guests from a nearby hotel with the windows completely open, under a beautiful sky, we chatted about theater, real estate, and even pranking a local business. To this day, and I swear to God, up and down, as a director and producer in New York, and as an actor, I director producer from New York. Get it, girl. <laughs> not to like, not, not to toot my tiny little saxophone. No. Everybody I talk to, I tell about the Wicker Man in New Orleans. Oh, like really? how it was, I'm swearing down. You did not act like that after we saw it. Really? Yeah. You were like, and I quote, I was like, what did you think of that? You were like, yeah, no, it was, yeah, no, I'm, Sarah, I'm, I'm down for whatever you want to do. And I was like, no, but 
how did you feel about the show? And you were like, no, no, it, I mean, it's great, but like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm down for, I'm down for whatever, I, you know, I'm here, I'm here to do like whatever it is that you want to do. And I was <laughs> is like, that your impression of me? Yeah, you wouldn't give me a read at all. And I was like, um, that was the craziest fucking performance I've yeah. ever seen. So it was definitely the craziest performance you've ever seen. Well, clearly, because I couldn't figure out how to freaking react to it. You had no idea. Well, That's like going to a movie and I hate when people do this, and I do it all the time too, and I really shouldn't. When you go to a movie, and immediately after the movie, you want to talk about the movie. You can't just do that. You have to like allow the art to wanted, sort of sink in a little bit. I just wanted you to be like... That was fashion. I can't. I... What the fuck? Did you... Yeah. Was that the night that the boat came by? I don't remember. I remember... Uh, when we were at the Wicker Man, maybe, and like shined a light. Yeah, yeah because it was so crazy because we were for a theater, like fake murdering a guy in a fire. Yeah. And then this like ship yeah. came by and it was like had the light on us, and they probably were just like, oh my god, a group of people is mass, Are sacrificing. mass murdering the main character. <laughs> Which it is, was just really good for the. So, actually, what was happening. It was what was happening. You linked up with uh, your friends, Owen. Uh, oh, Owen is playing, he's performing in Sunday's yeah, yeah. Oh, the one that yeah that you're going this, to that I'm oh, going to. Yeah. So the Wicker Man performance that you it, was that the first the performance took place outside. It moved. It specifically started. It was like started. at one point like an eight-person naked coven of women holding and and like chanting naked. That wasn't even the part that 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 blew my mind. What blew my mind. The parade to the entire Burning Man. And like how it took river. like what, like twenty minutes? Like twenty minutes of the production was spent moving the entire parade. audience. Which was from like hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. In a mud pit. This performance was I don't remember where it was located, but it was at somebody's house in the backyard. And it had to start at a specific time because the intermission had to be a specific length. And then they would go and start walking so that by the time they got to this clearing over where I'm pretty sure it was not legal for y'all to be, you were there at the exact right time of night for so the for the firing, for the, the burning of this I mean, wicker. It was, it, was, uh, it was planned that way. Yeah, definitely. It was. Yeah. So then this... And um, I, the even more interesting yeah. thing for me is that they basically... Come up with a, they come up with like what they want the the Crunchtown production to be based off of, and then they get like two weeks to write a script, it's cast Crunchtown. it. Crunchtown. Crunchtown. Yeah. Crunchtown Theater. They the, literally. The like, whole thing is that we only take off a week or two of work, and if no one can take off more than that, so then you have a week to like make this production. To so like it's write. It's stressful. Cast. It's like find the location. It's fun, and basically like, each person, everything. each person that's designated the director of each scene, like bottom lines making the set pieces coaching the actors and yeah. like figuring out how everything's gonna play so that out that was put together in two weeks two weeks yeah right it's, so it's two it's a two week intensive yeah it's like theater camp and it's always in the summer theater camp and i've been a part of it for maybe five or six years it's now. in the summer it's like May. what made you get into it when you first got here um my friend was directing a part in the salome play and i played king herod and uh then you missed it? I remember I got in at like 7 p.m. on my flight from oh, wherever. Shit, and yeah. I literally missed it by like an hour. Yeah, that so was crazy. It was. So a, cool. I think that was definitely one of the crowning productions of that group. But um, the whole theme is that that Maison scene idea where people move from place to place and kind of get like rustled out of their like listening, settled in their seat spot because you're like constantly re-engaged by a new space and new characters and new production, new, yeah. new directors. And sometimes you're part of the 
you're, you become part of the... Normally you are, yeah. yeah. Sarah was saying something about like how all the shows like intertwine with like New Orleans-based politics. Um, is that something that the Crunchtown uh, um, program tends to try to enforce, like always making it centric or somewhat uh, conscious to uh, a social political level? I think it just happens because, they're, like I said, each scene is directed by a different person, and so yeah. like, as contemporaries, each scene, mm-hmm. not even like, like so there was seven scenes in the in the Return to Oz. There was oh man, the Wicker Man was so long ago. I don't remember. I was only I was and only, that was directed by multiple people. Yeah, each scene was a different person. Wow, I did not actually realize that. Yeah, and then you can go whatever way you want with it. If you if you're chosen to be one of the directors of one of the scenes, you can be like, we're gonna do like a rock opera version of this scene. And that's fine because everyone has moved to a new place and they're like, okay, now the story's continuing, but it's like a totally different, whatever, just dance movement piece or like everyone's like playing saxophone with their butts or whatever. Does it end up being the case that it ends up being kind of more of a a message that hits the community and uh, is relevant to that? I think it just happens. Like if you're asked to to do something, you're going to be like, oh, I want to make a commentary on something that's happening right now. And like it, it happens every year. And so... How did Wizard? Uh, sorry, how did Return to Oz uh, manifest itself? Uh, I think we were getting a new mayor at the time. There was like some. Oh Latoya right, you Kintrell. guys did get a new mayor, didn't you? Yeah. So there was like some stuff about Latoya Kintrell. The only thing that I really remember is that everyone was talking about the alcoholic seltzer water truly all the time, and we were all drinking Trulys, and like every character. In oh yeah, was there Airbnb? Like, oh yeah, there's references. Airbnb. There's Airbnb stuff. Wait, because, there's a Zima Part Two. Yeah, it's the shit. But that was. <laughs> Just a coincidence. No, I haven't had truly. Whoa. It's truly, truly a mention. I'm surprised we didn't buy those. I normally give them, but we went to the cheese gas station. Yeah, so. Okay. Well, you have to go the right one. Anyway, so evidently y'all were drinking some uh, uh, alcoholic seltzer water and dealing with a new mayor. Mama's water, mayors, and Airbnb. Because like we kept talking about, they they go back into they return to Oz and everything's fucked up and there's like bad Airbnb situations there, right. and there's a dancing egg, and that's all I remember. What is the Airbnb situation now, currently? Well, it's not allowed to be in the corner anymore, which is one which is one move that I think is in the right direction, but it was taking away from, like, the hotel industry here, and also keeping people out of their local neighborhoods. Yeah. So, okay. people are moving more further and further out of the city, which has been happening forever, like, at the like, beginning of New Orleans story. I read that there was, like, a company in San Francisco that- 45 properties. What? That they were just Airbnb. Okay, that's news. They like buy up houses that are cheap and then they like renovate them just enough for like Airbnb style. <laughs> and then they, but they take them straight out of, pick them right out of neighborhoods that people are already like low in housing. And uh, it's really only like, the only people benefiting from it are like people with money already. No, it's a venture capitalist move that doesn't benefit anybody except the investors themselves doesn't benefit anybody else. It's not like it's going to create a, um, a huge well, uh, uh, insurgence of people. Over, Airbnb uh, uses this, this propaganda that's like, 90% of our properties are in low-income like neighborhoods of color. And it's like, um, yeah. they were low-income neighborhoods of color, but their houses were foreclosed or they were taken from out under them and then some fucking venture capitalist in San Francisco bought it and is now profiting off of it. So it's like very misleading and really You've always lived over at the Bywater, Sarah. Sam, is that the same for you? Have you always been in like, the same neighborhood, or have you kind of floated around? Yeah, I've mostly lived in 
like the Bywater Upper Nine ish that I lived in the city for a time. I kind of moved around a little bit. I, did, I only lived in the Bywater that whole two times on the same street. Mm hmm. Um, How did you guys meet again? We lived across the street from each other. That's how you, when you were literally, like, when you were on Montague together? And we were like. Within like a month of being Do you ever miss that apartment? No, it's not. I miss the, the mulberry tree in the backyard. What about that U-Haul sign? I miss the U-Haul sign. <laughs> we terrorized the U-Haul for probably a good six years. Yeah. <laughs> we collected all their letters they, and just made it say whatever we wanted forever. For and they kept on trying to reinforce the the ladder on the outside of the they, like, thing, added, but I never used added, the ladder ever They added, like... Fucking, they added like this way that you couldn't get up the ladder. They added more. They stopped using letters and started using just like blocks of pictures. <laughs> they just created like a picture. boggle game right but there. We, but we <laughs> always managed to figure out how to get up there and we always saved letters from the past. So it didn't matter if they never put new ones up. We always just. We had a whole trunk full of. Oh, there's so God, many. So I funny. have so many photos. And way we, to stick it to the man, y'all. And then we would. And so one day I We were like there. legendary. I didn't realize it because Instagram at the time, but years later I like all saw Instagram. people's Instagram that were like all our shit. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get we were infamous, but we never got any credit for it, which was fine. That's hilarious. Was I once went into that U-Haul to We always thought about how how misspelled we could and how weird. Like Sam always wanted to go so hard. And usually like um male genitalia themed and I was always like pushing for Yeah, female. you're like more badge. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, P and I all be positive. What was that one? No, that was the name of the big dicks, but the... Um, I think that our best, most crazy one was the suck my oogle, fart, you old oogle, troll hole. Oh my and, god. Like, we found my wiener. I seem to recall, I when I subscribed to Car and Driver as a kid, I don't know why I was in the cars, I was in the cars and then I started driving and I was not in the cars ever again. But they used to have like a segment of the magazine where they um, would, you know, readers would send in photos of signs that they caught on like the side of the road, like, uh, you know. And I can only imagine that in that day and age, uh, if something like what you guys had done, then you guys would have made it every single issue. Sarah has Polaroids of all of it. You have every single one of the Polar Polaroids of it? We couldn't always catch it because sometimes we'd be like going out to a party yeah, or whatever. Sometimes it'd be like late at night and then by the morning they would change it. But usually it ran at least three days. I remember Bend Over for Bambi. That was Bend like, Over Bambi was really... That was Bend Over Bambi? Yeah, because... Bend it, Over for Bambi because Disney was, Cruise Line was about to hit into the... Into the they, were <laughs> they were just about to it's buy... Great. I think it ended up falling through, but the news was that they had just bought this like area probably into the okay. world where people like walk their dogs and they have parties and bonfires and apparently it's gonna become like an extension of the board board of the 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 you're gonna use some kind of uh, change those signs platform, yeah. Don't quiet the people. No. Did I leave the letters when I left? 
don't know. They were in that green trunk. I feel like I've seen the trunk still. No, I don't. I haven't seen them. It's not like you're even far we away. Can, we could always. We could get, we could get it back. We they don't, don't use live the, far. They from don't use right. the. They don't use those letters anymore. They only use like. Like parts of photos. They like when you put them all up. They're like vinyls on plastic. They go over all the marquee slots. Lame. Yeah, they lost their edge instead of. They really lost their edge, but usually it was like they would do that, and then like two months later they would bring back the letters. But I think they just really burnt out. What I was saying was one time I went to fill up for a painting there for my job, and um, that lady, the lady, I was like, so like the signs been getting kind of drowsy, and she was like, yeah. I miss it. And I was like, well, I really choose this <laughs> pregnant lady with green hair. She's like a total punk. And I was just like, whoa, like, I never even thought that maybe the people that were working here just like thought it was funny and were like, that's, that's great. It's funny. I think they only changed it when they probably got complaints. Yeah. Well, they were mostly really profane, so that makes sense. The next day it did rain. But the sky miraculously opened up by the time we made it to the Bulldog in the afternoon, where we convened with Allison Goodman and her dog, Ham. There was a lot we talked about over the hour we spent together, but this part was the most notable. What made you decide to adopt your dog? Um, you, you had a neighbor who gave, gave him to you? I was thinking about it. But I was like, not gonna go to the pound or anything. I was like, if it happens, come to me. And one day, I heard this dog whining. And I texted my neighbor and was like, is your dog okay? And he's like, oh yeah, he's probably just lonely. Spends a lot of time alone. And the grape. He's like, there's a spare key. No biting. There's no biting here. There's a spare key. You can find if you want to go go get him and take care of him for an hour until you get home. So I literally tried to find the spare key for like 20 minutes. Turns out he had visitors stay that didn't put the spare key back in like that pet rock thing. And then the landlord, uh, Lance, who's like the maintenance guy, was like, "What are you doing?" So I was like creeping around the house. He's like, and I said what I was doing to so him. He gave me a key to open the door. Yeah. And, that, and then he stayed with me. And then I brought him back, and the guy told me that he was finding a new home for him. So I said, okay, well, let me know how that goes, because a family was going to come that night. Yeah. And the woman had to reschedule, and he told me that, and I said, well, all right, don't tell her not to come back. And then I took him. How long ago was that? That was, it'll be, uh, what are we in? It'll be eight weeks next Wednesday. Okay. So this is this is fairly new, actually, for you. What's it like to have a dog now as opposed to before? It's like giving you a new lease on life, being in a new city and like having a buddy. It's like having a big old. old... Hey, come on! Come on! Be careful, Ham. Ham. It's a total like change, right? Like you know, you yeah, you're yeah. here, you're doing your thing, you're a little bit uh, you know solitary for what it's worth. You make new friends, then you have a new permanent friend you get to like chill with all the time. Well, I think it was post show blues. So, you know, I did like a five week run of a show, super intense rehearsals and a show every day, and then all of a sudden nothing. Yeah. So I think that was. She also came around that point. So. 
And then I was afraid I'd regret it, but I don't. Because it's just me to take care Why of. Why would you regret something like that? Because it's a lot of responsibility. And not like regret having them, but like if I book a show and then I'm working during the day and I'm gone for like 12 hours, like who's going to, you know? Well, kind of, you, you have a tribe. You have a community you can connect with. Yeah, well, I have a roommate that works that helps me and then my neighbor behind me. Yeah. Have most of your friends been in the theater community, or have you uh, managed to find a pretty eclectic mix of folks? I guess it takes a, a while to get a tribe. Folks, but yeah. I, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to find a tribe. Like, I'm pickier. You're pickier. Um, well, like, I know more of who I am. Right. So, I'm not just as free to be like, I'm a little more pick, like picky yeah. about who I hang around with or what I, which I think is okay. What is that kind of, what is that must, that must be interesting when you're like in a city that's so, um, it's so dependent on being social. See, it is, but it's also not. How so? I think you can live this city many different ways. Like you can choose to do it like... Go all out and party all the time, which I have friends that do, which I'm just not into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you can go to choose to go see events and like have a drink and socialize, but be kind of on your own. Yeah. And I've kind of chosen to somewhat not isolate here, but like spend a lot of time alone and out with my dog. Yeah. And have no more FOMO necessarily. That makes oh sense. man, I love to hear that. There's something really great about when you finally get to that place where you don't. Robin's shaking her head like, oh, I was about to say like, if there's one thing that Robin should shake her head at, it's like the FOMO, which you never had in the first place ever. At any rate, I mean, I guess it seems appropriate that you would be in a city that, if you really were to be a social animal, you could. But that must be a challenge, and I guess it must mean that like you have those friendly faces that you know when you go out, but that you don't necessarily have an obligation to uh, see them all the time. Well, I think it was also like, I was in such, I was used to doing such a thing for a while in New York. You know, like used to doing, hanging out that way. It's also one of those things of like, learning how to juggle, like people want to come here and party. Yeah. And a lot of people want to visit you between like, I would say now and March. Yeah. March, not between now and May, and kind of like figuring out how to juggle that because it's a city that obviously is a party city, but it's still a working city. People still have jobs and have lives here. Yeah, a lot of visitors tend to forget that. We uh, we, we're not here during Mardi Gras, but when you got here, you got here right on time. Two days before Mardi Gras. Two days before Mardi Gras is your anniversary in New Orleans. What are you going to do for this year? What are you thinking? Do you have anything work. planned? You're going to work on New Mardi Gras. I'm not on Mardi Gras, but I'm going to work that week. And then I'm sure go out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let other people tell me where to go. Yeah, the whole city gets involved. And everything in between, the end and the beginning, there's always something prepping for it, I suppose. Biking's going to be hard. Biking. You bike all the time around here. What's it like? It's not really the easiest place to bike around here. Yeah. Is it? It got, must have been easy, gotten easier. It's harder from here to the quarter. My old my old house was fairgrounds, which is closer to downtown. 
that was only like a 10 minute bike ride. This is 20 minutes and I have to go through the CBD. So it can be a little difficult. What's that? I have to go through the CBD, which What's is like CBD? the metropolitan, like metropolitan of our city, like that. Okay. Um, I love biking. But I was just hit by a car biking. That wasn't fun. Get out of here. What happened? Really hard. I had a concussion. No. Yeah, it happened like three weeks ago. What um what transpired exactly? So you uh, were you were in the right you were in the right uh, and somebody just wasn't paying attention to you. They were on their phone. They were on their phone. And I think they were still drunk. Get out of before. here. That's not cool. Um, they 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 rear-ended me. I didn't even see them coming. So I'm going through all that. I'm going through their insurance company and everything. It's a it's a I'll get my bike fixed, get a new helmet. I have to go get some CT scans because I've been having bad headaches. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Allie. That's not fun. It's all right. I'm really lucky. Yeah, well, yes, you are because you're sitting out here with us, and your your dog has uh, has still his his person. Our thanks again to Allison Goodman for meeting up. On day three, it was game day. I think the following audio speaks for itself. There is literally nothing like being in a city that's not your own during a huge sports event. Now, granted, I could be in New Orleans on any goddamn weekend of the year, and I'm sure there'll be a reason why everyone's celebrating, but this is something else. It's like, <laughs> people are not even outside. Everybody is inside, glued to the television, watching their football team, at the moment at least, from my understanding, kicking the pants off this LA team. I'm currently walking up Burgundy Street, about to meet up with my friends Margot Moss and Sarah Ravitz. They are right now at a bar called Cosmos, and I'm gonna go join them. And what I imagine will be a sea of Saints fans cheering on their team. So I'll do my best to record the action, but chances are it's going to be insanely loud. We are in the thick of it right now.
perfect uh, uh, compromise. You're in good. You're in good. Uh, well, yes, but that comes with the territory in this city. shot right now of something and I don't know what it is but I'm excited that I have it something in my hand that's plastic with a beverage don't take it yet we're all gonna do it together apparently we're all doing this shot together the whole entire bar all a hundred people stacked into this bar 150 yes we're all gonna do a shot He's about 37, so. All right. Uh, plus the folks outside, but they won't be able to capitalize on this. Wow. So why did you pick this bar, though, specifically? Six months. I've been here for eight years now. You know, like it's like that. Yeah. You, 
were not expecting to be here. Wasn't expecting to like New Orleans as much as I did. You so, know? how does that work? Like when you say you're going to come down here for a certain amount of time, and then you end up just staying here. How long into being here did you realize that your desired duration of time living here was not going to happen? Is that pretty short-lived? Like you figured it out? Like yeah. Um, I mean, probably within like. Probably within like, I'd probably say a year, year and a half. I mean, it really doesn't take a while to figure out like what the city was really about. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, like, even just knowing all the things that like, I mean, I mean, I mean, New York is probably five years. I'm yeah. still figuring out. It's been 13 years. Or yeah. So I get you know, it. Like, New Orleans, when you come here, you live like just being comfortable with the whole like culture shock. I'm just like, you know. But like, I'm really like exploring the city more, being more comfortable in it. But yeah, I mean, my, my personality just fits really well here. When you moved here, it was what? Year, what year? 2010? How you doing? What's up, man? What's up, dude? How you doing? What's happening, man? Um, what was the question? 2010? Uh, no. Uh, 11 into 12. Okay. Yeah, it was 11 when I moved here. They had already won their championship. Yeah, oh yeah, dude. That's, see, that's like, I'm, I'm actually a Niners fan at heart. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. I, I hate the Patriots. Good. Um, that's, yeah, that's, but we, we, we're, we're, all agreeing, we're in agreement on one thing. The, the, the answer is, who do you want to win the Super Bowl? And it's not, not the Patriots. Patriots. Fair. I mean, I'll, I mean, obviously, I'll move to the Saints because like, it'll make everything better. Yeah. Like, Mardi Gras will be awesome. Like, it's already awesome. If the Saints win the Super Bowl, it'll be even better than that. I mean, they had the Pelicans, but it seems like this is more of a football city than a basketball city, yeah? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, well, if, I mean, if the Pelicans were good, it'd be different. Right. It's a very, I mean, the city loves their Saints, but at the end of the day, it's not really a football. Like, a lot of people here, they love the Saints. But these that show. I mean... Just a bunch of homers. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's easy to get into. It's... If you have like some, if you just listen to like people talking about it during the week, it's like very obvious. Like, I don't know about the score because they haven't been good for that long. You know, like, it's it's not like the Saints have been like fucking like the like Packers and they're gonna have like one. Right. It's not a dynasty, but like, if they're good, they're good. It's, uh, bad call. Um, no, I, I mean, one of the things about baseball that I find fascinating, and I'm not a baseball fan by any stretch, really, but um, that said, it's amazing when every single uh, postseason, it, it's a different game. It's a totally different uh, uh, landscape. And there's usually, usually, a different team who wins the World Series every year, for whatever reason. Um, I guess that's just good, uh, good, uh, uh, um, trades and everything that are happening in the postseasons. Yeah, it, it, baseball's, a, baseball's a long fucking year, man. It's a long yeah. year, you never know what's going to happen. With football, it's shorter, yeah. and it's almost entirely possible that the same team could win every year, but that appears to not necessarily be the case this season, yeah. which would hope, hopefully be the case. Okay. Here we 
What's happening? Oh dear. Oh no. Oh no. Oh dear me. That was a very good drive. Oh dear me. Immediately following the game, I headed over to Tigerman Den in the Bywater. I'm saying, no, it's no wisdom. Are you serious? Come on, it's not wisdom. I have never experienced being in such an excited time in a different city than I have right now. And the energy and the spirit is so resilient that, like, I appreciate y'all so much. Because y'all are, like, just good sports. I just wish we could have pulled the win out and you was a really soft I, I was gunning for it. I was, run, I was rooting for y'all. I was, like, super, super jazzed and excited to be able to see such a game and be around that energy. That energy is, you know, it's not like, I'm from New York. So for me, like, I don't have a care in the world for New York sports teams, like, whatever. Like, it's just, it doesn't make any difference to me. Right. And, you know, when you're in a city like New Orleans where the basketball team is, sure, like, it's, you know, there's some fandom, but it's the football. It's the Saints. Like, that's, it's a football city. Right. And everybody is, like, very energetic. Yeah, baby, you know. Always will be up yeah. and down no matter what, you know. So what? Now it's Mardi Gras season, right? <laughs> Next, you know, and then Jazz Fest. There you go. There you go. You guys are always gonna have something to be excited about, always, no matter what. But man, um, fucking great game, right? It's part of my language. Uh -huh. Oh, I know, I know. It was electric in that zone. Where were you guys? Uh, uh, were you watching it or were you working? No, I was working. I was just checking the score. Mm. Oh, sure, like listening on the radio or something, I guess. Oh, I just was checking the school. I didn't Turn want to do that. Yeah. But also, you know, like at the same time, um, there must be something really unparalleled when you're working during that and people and you're like talking to people in the conversations that you must have had like just already tonight like probably about like 18 to 20 different conversations no, with people since I started this morning I've been going since 9 30. good goodness gracious non-stop picking up people game dropping them off the bars houses or wherever they were going here. yeah it's super great to uh, be uh, taking lifts and Ubers while we're out here, to be honest. So, as to, you know, be able to have conversations with the drivers. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really into the uh, idea of 
talking about uh, something I don't know about with people who know what they're talking about who are driving me to where I need to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a city like no other, that's for sure. Yeah. And the people are nice, you know. We got our crime, but so do everybody, you know. <laughs> but for the most part, there's a lot of it. For you, sure. You move here, you can believe you don't have some neighbors that look out for you. Absolutely. This is where I retired from the school. The New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. Yeah. It's art school. That's where Harry Connick, John Baptiste, Wendell Peters. Well, they didn't go to this one actually. This one is new. It's, it's been there since 2001. But when it was uptown, he went to it. It's where they studied their arts. Jazz and Very industrial location over here. Yeah, this is the art district. Yeah, everybody here, mostly artists, live up in this area. This is technically Bywater then, yeah? This is Bywater, yeah. I've never seen this particular part of Bywater before, but my sister lives in Bywater. In the Bywater. Yeah, she you know she's over um, in this general vicinity. That's why I'm here in the first place. <laughs> she introduced her show about 90 minutes later to a crowd of about 40 people, which for the space was just right. Hello, 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 hello. Is that good? That's good. Hi, everybody. When you get a chance to shut up, try that. Um, I want to welcome everybody tonight. Uh, I want to thank Tigerman Den for letting us uh, do this event here. Um, I have a photo show up in here right now, so um, this has been very generous to let us do another event while, while the show is going on. And uh, last summer I saw a really amazing show here. Um, it was called Siren Songs, and it was put on by Cassie Watson, who's a brainchild of Cassie Watson, who's one of the performers tonight in one of the bedrooms. Uh, and the, what it was was there each room had a different female musician in it, and you kind of went from one show, and then you would be sort of led into another room for another show, and you know, so on. You kind of did this sort of round robin thing for the night, and it was really incredible. And I asked her to do another one in tonight, and she was like, nah. and I was like. Uh, and she was like, yes, let's do it. And I was like, but I have this idea where we, um, what I really felt that night was that, that it felt like each one of you were a different roommate and you're all having these very, uh, you know, separate but real like life experiences. And I, I was like, I think it'd be really interesting to add a little bit more theatrics to it. And so I saw a show recently where Owen and Kat Sotelo and uh, Kate Barnett all did sort of their own sort of uh, kind of monologue or one one person show. And I thought, wow, that's that's gonna be a perfect, and two of them are actually roommates, so the, the, uh, the inspiration for the show made a lot of sense. Um, so that's what's gonna happen tonight. Uh, uh, okay, there are a few things to know about the show. It's last 60 minutes, there's no intermission. It will be roaming, so we're gonna start in the room over here, and then 
you'll kind of get an idea when the lights go out to come out here and you're gonna come in sort of this room and that room and there's gonna be a show in there and there's gonna be a show in here. Um, and the second thing is, uh, if you're able, we're gonna have people sit on the floor. If you're not able, you can kind of stand in the back. Um, when it comes to this room, there's actually like bench, you know, sort of stools. So again, if you're able, please sit on the ground. If not, you know, the, those seats in the back are reserved for you. Um, and no flashes, please, y'all, that'd be great. Um, so what I have everyone do is start to kind of go into this room in here. Again, if you have to stand, I would go to the back towards the, the sink, and if not, you can sit on the ground. It might be a little kind of snug, so it's only going to be 20 minutes, so I think you'll be able to handle it. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> After the event, I spent some time with my family at a late-night diner called Sui Generie. Yes, even my parents had come down to support. Here's some snippets. What was the weirdest roommate situation that you ever had? Where a roommate accused me of peeing in her room when it was her dog that peed on his bed. Excuse me? She accused you of peeing somewhere? When it was her dog that peed on her bed. She thought you peed on her bed and not her dog. In my bed or wherever, yeah. Was, was she just like... I think Carol... <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the, the ultimate thing. Yeah. Where were you living? Uh, 76th Street, second And it was a studio apartment that was blocked off to one bed to make a bedroom. And we shared a really small space. I was there for not even six months. And I called my parents and said, you got to get me out of here. They came and they scooped me out and left like, boom. That was really weird. Unceremonious. Yeah. She was weird. Her name was Carol Chance. <laughs> Another Carol. I had a couple of her. And she was, came from an affluent family in, um, I forget what part of Massachusetts. And her claim to fame was she went out with Joe Namath. Oh, well. She went out with Joe Namath. She was a hysterical lash that was in insipid, vain, but for some reason I walked into that place. And... What about you, Dad? You said you had roommates that you remember. I had, I had, uh... I lived with two uh, roommates. I don't have any like really weird stories uh, that I can tell you. <laughs> That's provocative. I'd have to kill you. Right. Then um, that was that was about it. I mean, roommates so weird. And there was Judy Kent, who was three of us, living in a... I don't know how we did it, because there were three girls. We couldn't all live in the same room. So maybe two of us lived in one room, and one of us lived in the living room. Yeah. Probably. But um, she was a teacher, and she was very anal. And she had a boyfriend, Harley. And... No. They were nice, but she was really anal. And she would have a calendar. Is this jail? And, no. And she would mark off everything that she was going to wear 
every day as a, to school as a teacher to make sure she to make sure she never repeated what she wore. I mean, for me that was really weird. You know? Tweed on Mondays, you know. <laughs> and did her and washed her underwear every night. Wow. So we'd be dry the next day. It's like you know, he's really weird. And then the other one in that in that house, which Roberta Siegel, who I went to high school with, was dating. I want to say something with an L. Maybe it was Mel. But he was a con artist. A con artist. He was. He was, uh, he was really a piece of work. And Judy and I would shake our heads. And go, in what capacity was this boyfriend a con artist? He was always taking money from like from you? you from know, her. He's a freebie, he would stay in the apartment, you know, he'd say, let's go out to eat, and she'd always pay for it. Right. He was a, he just a smart friend. But he, was, but he wasn't a con artist, he didn't steal money, he just was a, a freeloader. Oh, well... What did he do for work? He was a con artist. Yeah, you don't know what he did for work. You never knew what he did for work. That was what made it really... Like, like, like Holly and Judy were teachers. I mean, they, they had real jobs, you know? I was working in advertising. Yeah. Roberta was working for... Um, she was selling radio advertising. She had a job. And he used to stay in the apartment all the time. Betting on the horses. He's crazy. What a maroon. And then my other experience was I moved into an apartment with my friend Gail from Florida. Yeah. And I introduced her to her husband. And she moved out about a month later and I had the apartment to myself. And that was great. And then about two years when she got after she got married, she said, I don't think I want to pay the rent anymore. <laughs> so I had a got I got a roommate who hated him. Hated him. Couldn't understand what I saw. Whatever happened to Jan Markowitz? She moved to California. She probably got some kind of probably got involved with some kind of theater arts thing. She was a she went to Skidmore and she was a, a theater arts major and she wanted to be an actress. You know, she came from um, must be a million Jan Markowitz. Yeah, she came from some part of. Long Island, where all the money is. She was had two sisters. You know, she had a good family, but she was a more local. She had a sister. She had two sisters. She had two sisters. Was she the oldest or the middle or the youngest? She was the oldest one. One was cool. One was into archaeology or something. And the other one, I'm not sure. They were smart people. I mean, they were educated. But she was really strange. You know, getting laid on the staircases. I know. I'm looking, looking for the, the ultimate thing to write about. Something sketchy. How old was she? She would be younger than I was. She definitely yeah. lives in California. Somewhere. Yeah, I think my worst roommate situations are long behind me to a point that uh, I could really look at them and laugh and realize just like when I'm out of that experience just it gives you perspective when you're out of it my for God. sure yeah
I'm just glad, you know what I really, I think I'm just lucky that I dealt with like the worst roommate situation before I got to the city. I don't think I would have been able to handle well, you, a really you, shitty living situation you, you like knew, that in college knew, you, while going to school right. in New York City. Right, well, plus you also realized you were exposed to, you can have a really shitty experience, you know? Yeah. Kind of like teaches you. You get stronger. definitely get stronger. Yeah. Those are my experiences. And then living with this one. <laughs> that was an experience. You still looking up Jan Markowitz? Facebook. The day before I left for for Orlando was when I basically met with them and told them the idea and matched them with each other. And then I think each of them met once to chat, and then we had one rehearsal. So I I think if they even had some practice, it would have been like even ten times better. Like Kate is hilarious. And I felt like it was just like it was. She didn't even really get to run through it at all. So I think it was just. It was like I think it's like a lot to all of a sudden be in this small room with a million people. So I think she. I think if she did it again, she would even be like ten times better. She she got better as it went on. I felt, but I felt like the first scene was a little. Oh, she's she's one of the funniest people I've ever met. Like we spent all day together, and she just had me like in stitches all fucking day. Oh my god, I love her. Um, and Did she do theater? I didn't know that, but then when I went... Is that Kate? Kate. Kate is the first girl. Um, I didn't know that she did that. Kat, the, the last woman, she has a studio now, like a black box studio. It's for like, you know, for people to do like little like theater things in. And so she did one night, there was like an open house, an open studios, and she opened her studio and she had three performances in it. And one was Owen, and one was Kat, and one was Kate. And I was like, it was kind of like, and I was like, I had been kind of thinking about who to ask. I was like, oh, they might be good at this. They might be good, you know, just kind of walking around. But then when I saw that them each do their own performance, I was like, oh, clearly it's you three, you know? And Kat and Kate are roommates. So there's like another, you know, it was just, it was perfect. I basically just did it because I, I wanted to go to another Siren song, so she wasn't going to do it. So I was like, all right, let's make it better and we'll, you know, it'll be worth it this time. And then I had to stick with it because y'all were coming. There was times when it didn't see, it was kind of hard to wrangle people and it, was, it seemed like the... The, inst- the people were not feeling it. And I was like, no, my parents are coming to, to this show. It's going to happen. I don't care. Like, we're going to make it happen. And then as soon as everyone met, that, then everyone was down. But it was like getting everyone involved. Everyone was like, what? Who? What do we, what do, we do? You know, because people do what they do. And then when you try to be like, do what you do, but like, can you do it a little different? Try something new. People are like, they're a little bit more like, that sounds complicated. And I, I was like, just set up and play. But if I have to do anything weird, then that's too much. Especially if they're not getting paid for it. Them. I just said, you're all roommates. You all have a musician and a performer. And these are your pairs. 
have a different experience going on in every room because you're different people, and that was all I said. They came up with the whole thing. They came up with the whole thing. You trusted. And the music? Yeah. They did everything. You trusted your actors. In a day and a half. Like, it was amazing. We flew out the next morning. I had gotten maybe about two hours of sleep total with that, but due to a delayed flight back to Newark, I caught up at the airport. I can't wait to go back and have even more sleepless, exciting evenings. Thanks to everyone who made this trip a delightful, memorable experience. The musicians you heard this hour, who were featured in Sarah's show, are Tasha De La Roja, Cassie Watson, and Sabine McCullough. Sarah Danziger's work can be seen at S-A-R-R-A-H-D-A-N Z as in zebra I-G-E-R dot com. That'll do it for this edition of Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Subscribe to the RFB newsletter at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Download past episodes of Lost and Rewound on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. That last link is lostandrewound.podomatic.com. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us to continue to stay on the air. We also have a new after-school program, Radio Free Brooklyn Teen Squad. If you want to donate to that or are interested in participating in it, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Teen Squad. Please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And if you want to contribute to either Radio Free Brooklyn as a whole or to our after-school program, all contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Teen Squad and RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Donate. Until next week, I'm Alon Danziger. Come on back and get embarrassed with us for the next chapter of Lost and Rebound, right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Shut the fuck up. Okay, let's blow it out. I'll see you soon. Okay, bye.